0: Love
1: Talk Radio, live from Washington D.C. It's quintessential listening poetry online radio, QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the program. My special guest tonight is Tamara J. Madison. Tamara is an author, poet, editor, and instructor, and the title of her book of poetry is Read This World, Not Not Damascus, published by Trio Health Press in May 2019. Hello, Tamara. How are you? (laughs) I am fine. I am <laughs> absolutely fine, and I'm grateful
0: to be fine.
1: Oh, that's great. I'm so glad. Uh, I, I want to hear all about
0: Threed. I've never heard that word before. It <laughs> tripped me up. Uh, wow. Threed was actually, I mean, I don't know if anyone else has used it or not. But for okay. me, thread was a word that I created, right, okay. Okay. for my yes. latest book. Because in the book, there is what I consider to be um, a speculative character or spirit guide called the three-breasted woman, right? Wow, And And yes. um, all of her descendants mm-hmm. are threes, right?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all three.
0: So there's actually, yes, there's actually a definition of the word, believe it or not, in the beginning of the poetry book Mm -hmm. so that it's understood throughout.
1: All right, all right. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit later because I want to hear everything. But first, I'd like you to join me on a poetic journey. How does that sound?
0: That sounds wonderful.
1: I'm so glad you're here.
0: Here we go. What is poetry, Tamara? And let me ask
1: this question: Is it Tamara or Tamara?
0: It's Tamara. It's Tamara. Thank you for
1: asking. Um, Yes, that is so important.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Poetry is is language art. It is language art, Um, and it is language art that is reflected that reflects life. Um, It is expansive because there's all kinds of forms and everything. Um, There's a mantra that I use that came from a former instructor that I had, and um, it was poet Carol Frost. And we were in a workshop one time, and she said this, and I have never forgotten it. She said, poetry at its best is language lifted into ceremony. Mm -hmm. Right? And when you say that one more time, say that one more time for me. Yes, say that one more time. Sure, sure. Poetry at its best is language lifted into ceremony. Wow, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you think about ceremony in the most spiritual and traditional sense, Mm -hmm. ceremony is where magical things happen. Ceremony is often a sacred space. But it's where something shifts or something transcends or something ascends, right? It's a very, very powerful place. Mm. All Mm. right.
1: Tell me some more about what is poetry from your heart right now, in this moment. What is poetry to you?
0: Hmm. Poetry is a language that reflects the essence of life. All right.
1: language that reflects the essence of life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, knowing that, why is it important? Why is poetry important?
0: Mm, I think poetry is very important because um, poetry leans into the sacred, like things that we don't say in our everyday mother tongues. Poetry mm-hmm. says Poetry goes deeper, poetry goes wider, poetry goes higher, right? Mm -hmm. And it connects to people in ways that, you know, ordinary everyday language doesn't always do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in our time right now, poetry is especially important. Because, you know, there's all of this talk about the fact that people don't read, uh, people are not as literate, people don't pay attention, people have attention deficit and what have you. And poetry is wonderful for that because poetry often, not always, but often it's very brief. But in that mm-hmm. brief space, it's incredibly dense. So there might be a whole universe of experience in a stanza. And that's amazing for our time right now because a lot of people won't read a 200- and 300-page book, but that same magical journey might happen for them in the brevity but the density of a poem. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: I am so glad you're out there doing what you do. I really am. Because thank what you. you. Said I'm glad about poetry. you're out here
0: doing what you do, too. <laughs> now, I have to say that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick you up, but I really am. I really Well, am. thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no, but just listening to you talk about poetry, how it can impact people in ways that sometimes they don't even understand. Mm-hmm. It's just, just so special. I like that. I really, really do. I really do. What I'd like you to do now is to tell me more about your book. What inspired it?
0: I'm sorry, what did you say? What is?
1: Yeah, what inspired your book?
0: Oh, my goodness. The book was uh, eight to ten or more years in the making. Right? It was these conversations that I was having with girlfriends and people that I knew about this idea of a sacred, powerful, feminine spirit, right? She shows up in all kinds of ways. For some people, it might be Oshun. For somebody else, it might be Athena. For another culture, there's Kuan Yin. There's all of these other different names of these feminine powers that are just that, very, very powerful, and the things that we have to learn from them. Um, very often, you know, people think of the more masculine aspect or a masculine reflection of God. But, you know, I had conversations with people over the years, uh, what would that look like in the feminine? And so that inspired a series of poems and my dialogue with that energy. And that's the Please, share, Paul. Sure, sure. Um, This is one of, I think I'll start with this piece. It's not the first piece in the book, but believe it or not, um, this piece was inspired by a photograph that my sister found while I was working on the editing process in the book. And the poem is written in honor of my great-great grandmother. Prophecy, maternal lineage, to. For Melinda. On the back of the photograph, one of my foremothers wrote, "This, is, Melinda." She knew one day, a century later, I would need to find you, framed in sapia, statuesque and fierce, eyes locked into the camera. You long saw me coming. Grandmama kept you hidden, fearing you'd blotch her milky skin, mar her Christian countenance. Uncle says you were native corn, cob, pipe-smoking Indian. Others say, you more. Descendants of the originals who first tamed Turtle Island, textbooks and scripture twisted your legacy into caricature. I say, the way you stand there in your Sunday dressed best staring across generations at me, daring me to be free, Miss Melinda. Madam, you were never anybody's slave.
1: Wow. Extremely powerful. Please share another. (laughs) Share another, please.
0: Okay, so one of the interesting things in this book is that there is the voice of the poet who goes on this journey with three-breasted women. And so there is also the voice of three-breasted women. And so this particular piece is one of the poems in her voice. And it's called Rebuttal, Three-Breasted Woman Confronts King James 1. And it starts with an epigraph. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Proverbs 31.10, King James Version. Really? James? A virtuous woman, a price. Any woman, a price, a piece. Made, trade, and enslaved wet nurse, cook, trophy, a price. This life, damnation and dowry, rubies, gold, a dollar, pound, yen, my hair, your. Glory, my hips, the hills you climb for the right price. James, King Almighty, even your Queen, for a pence, must you buy everything?
1: all right I want to allow that to just kind of settle in beautiful work mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful work and as you think about your work Tamara what are some of the predominant themes that you write about
0: I would say the most predominant thing is relationships and the complexity mm-hmm of mm-hmm. relationships. You know, our relationships are not simple and black and white. So definitely the co- complexity of relationships and then the questioning of authority is often in my work. And it can be all kinds of authority. It could be um, the authority over Um, the female body it could be an authority over a group of people it can be authority in many forms but questioning that authority and um, claiming self-identity
1: all right very nice you know as you write how does a poem begin for you with an idea or form or an image
0: you said an idea, what was the second one?
1: A form or an image?
0: Okay, I would say an idea, an image, a song, or language. I don't I'm not much of a formalist. Usually okay. for me the form comes much, much later in the process, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but music can inspire a poem for me, a dream, an idea, or just, oh, just the phrase itself can inspire a poem for me. Well, I've got a question for you. (laughs) Let's
1: imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? What are some of the prevalent ingredients that go into the concoction we call a pole. It is a cake. <laughs>
0: sweat.
2: <laughs> sweat. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, what else?
0: <laughs> yes. Um, and I say sweat because to me sweat means work. Putting mm. forth the work. Right? Yes. Um, whether that work is emotional,
2: spiritual,
0: uh, mental, artistic, definitely sweat putting in the work. Um, heart would be another ingredient. Um, authenticity. Yes. Music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rhythm. Mm-hmm. And mm, I would say some kind of, if, if I were thinking in terms of spice, there always has to be some kind of shift or surprise. Okay. That needs okay. to be in the recipe.
1: Wow. Very nice. A surprise needs to be in the recipe. Well, let me ask this. If As you think about poetry, is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall. It could be either one. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk to me. I think. Uh, I think that um, a poem could be letting your guard down in mm-hmm. order to delve deeper mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and maybe even the things that you're afraid of. So that would be letting the guard down. But I think the beauty that comes forth in a poem, regardless of how, what's the word I want to use, harsh the subject matter might be, I think that that becomes, I wouldn't necessarily say a wall, but maybe a a shawl that wraps, and protect and maybe soothe even if that makes wow. sense
1: it does make sense please share a poem.
0: Mm. this is um, another piece that is in the book it was written for um, uh, it was inspired by my last child and um, the last born And the reference in the poem that says the angel is actually speaking of him. And it's based on a true story. Rain dancing. Wings tucked beneath fleece hoodie, halo hidden in a Santa red ski cap. The angel plays ball with raindrops as the neighborhood boys envy their nose Pressed to dripping pains Three weeks Five days Seven hours since My last poem My muse on hiatus In some other lover's lap Without as much as a Address or postcard I abandon Pen and pad To join The angel Court raindrops Flick my flip-flops to the air, ruffle my skirt in wetness, can-can smack dab in the middle of a pillow, baptizing the angel with squeals and mud buttons. I pull a moth-gnawed memory from my left breast, teach the angel to spread his arms until his chest aches, turn his palms upward, raise his Face, close his eyes suddenly. To the holy hum of cloud, come home, my muse rushes. As wings ripping fleece, the angel opens his mouth to strain of cheek, stretches out a perfectly curled tongue, kisses rain.
1: Wow I really like listening to you Read your work (laughs) I really do I really do So what I want to know is What is the relationship Between your speaking voice And your written voice Oh The
0: relationship Between Mm. my speaking voice and my written voice. Yes. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. So well, see, that's
1: why they paid me the big bucks <laughs> to ask
0: what well, I
2: know when no one else is done. <laughs> Uh
0: Wow. I started, well, let's see. I started diving deeper into poetry.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because of its music. I heard its music, right? Okay. Okay. And then because I could so easily hear its music, coming out of my mouth, it had to be sung, right? And then I started, you know, um, experimenting with spoken word and performance Mm -hmm. poetry. I did that a lot because I came through, ooh-wee, I came through Chicago, and the Green mm. Lounge. Um, and my <laughs> All Lounge right. Is Mark Smith, yes. Um, and so, you know, the voice was always there. The music was always there. For me, there wasn't poetry without music and without rhythm. Um, and then, you know, I come from a line of, of Baptist ministers. And so that singing in the black church, even when it was the oration of the sermon itself, was just very much a part of my upbringing. And so, you know, that trained my ear. Um, Later on, being around uh, musicians and composers on the Chicago scene, that too trained my ear. And, you know, poetry and music, they were married. It was a consummation for me. Um, Later on, I decided that I wanted to pay more attention to poetry's composition on the page, so to speak. Um, But the music for me never leaves. They're still the same. And so when I'm reading a poem, I'm hearing the music and the notes, and I'm trying to use my voice and my body as an instrument to play that music. So for me, it's not just about the words and the music of the poem Mm -hmm. is not backdrop. It is a primary force in the poem. Wow! Wow! Primary force in the poem.
1: Yes. Let me. Yes. Let's go. Let's go back, and then we'll go forward, and we'll talk more about this primary form. All right. Let's go back first. Mm -hmm. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power?
0: Uh, my I, the first experience that I can call, recall is um, being an early early teen if that mm-hmm. old and going to the library, the public library in our neighborhood and mm-hmm. Our librarian, Mrs. Carolyn Outlaw, who's still with us, um, showed me the poetry section of the library. And I checked out these books and I brought them home and I remember being curled up in my bed. You know, I had the room to myself. My sister was out playing. And I opened this book and I started reading And I started hearing this music. And it was actually in Tazaki Shange's Pollock Girls. Uh And I didn't understand what everything meant. I didn't know who Eddie Palmieri was or who Willie Colon was. I didn't know much about New York. But I knew that I belonged in that space of poetry. And I found wow. a kinship and a home and a space that was sacred space for me where I might mm-hmm. not have fit with everybody in the neighborhood all the time or I didn't fit in other places. I fit when it came to that poetry book. There was mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. about me that fit there that didn't fit anyplace else. That's, I would say that's my earliest memory. Wow.
1: When you talked about the musicality in poetry, were there any particular genres that you think about in terms of the musicality or just whatever music is to you? Great black
0: music. Tell me more about whether great black music. It was, yeah, whether mm-hmm. it is, you know, well, you know, it's all a family. So whether Mm -hmm. it was spirituals and hymns that I heard in church or Mm -hmm. um, the grooves that I heard on the 45s played by my family, you know, my parents on the record player or um, the jazz that I came to know through poetry and later on on the Chicago scene, all Mm -hmm. of it, to me, is an influence on my work. Sometimes the rhythms in my work are more jazz, and sometimes they're more blues, and that's what makes them so easy to sing. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow! <laughs> all right, all right. You know, all great writers, and you know this, have great writing influences, and maybe you've talked about them a little bit. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Your writing influences.
0: Oh, um, I have. Uh, let's see, I have four people. I think it's four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I consider to be my literary ancestors. I don't know if I should say this publicly or not, but I'm going to do it. Um, and I hope that they're they're fine with that. Lucille Clifton, mm-hmm. Tony Morrison. Who I got to see live once. Um, I saw her being awarded and being a keynote speaker at a benefit once, um, and that was definitely changing for me. And when I read her novels, it's very clear to me that Toni Morrison is a poet. I don't care what anybody else says; she's a poet as well
2: right. as a novelist.
0: Um, and and the fact that she's not afraid of of Making what other people might call magical or magical realism. She's not afraid of making that a primary part in her writing um, and treating it as normal, right? Um, So she's another one. Lucille Clifton, I would say, because the brevity of her pieces and how they strike like an arrow, and I love that because a lot of my poems are, are, are very short as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that about her. I love, ooh, this is what I'll call it. I love the intricacy and the simplicity of her work. Um, (laughs) Another one would be uh, James Baldwin. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I haven't read a lot of his work, but I did read his poetry when I was much younger and one of his um nonfiction pieces, and I had the blessing of um, meeting him when I was a college student because he came to the university that I attended, and that was a game changer for me as well and then finally, um I can think of two others: the poet m a cesaire who mm-hmm. is from who was from the country of Martinique. And he was a Francophone poet. He wrote in French. And um, the poet Sterling Plump, who is also still with us. And Sterling, um, you know, I consider him a bluesologist because his work, writing is deeply, deeply steeped in the blues. And then in some of his later works, he studied both the life and the music of blues and jazz musicians and had relationships with these folks, right? And wrote books based on that. And um, he was a mentor for me in my early days, uh, younger days as a poet in Chicago. And so he's definitely an influence as well.
1: Wow, very nice, very nice. And you know, one of my questions was going to be, Of those individuals, who would you have chosen to be your mentor? And it sounds like it was Mr. Plum, right?
0: I think he chose me because I don't think I had sense enough at that time to necessarily understand that I needed one. Oh, right. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> All right? Yeah, because, you know, I was an early 20-something, and it was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, it was that stage of my life. Um, All right. But I think he knew better and planted some seeds and made it easy to grow. Mm. You know, as you think about writing a poem, does it hurt
1: you to write poetry? If not, why not? And I don't mean physically.
0: It does not hurt. I don't mean
1: physically. All
0: right. Mm -mm.
1: Tell me more. Tell me more.
0: No, it doesn't hurt me to write poetry at all. Sometimes it scares me.
1: Mm. But it
0: does not hurt. Um, It scares me sometimes because I might end up jotting down something on the page that I have to walk away from for a little while. Yes. You -hmm. know? because I wasn't quite ready for it to come through or I didn't know that was what was going to come through. And I might Mm -hmm. have to leave it alone for a little while. And I think that was one of the reasons why, no, I know that was one of the reasons why it took so long for me to write the read This Road, Not Damascus, because I had Mm -hmm. to grow to write that book. It was a growth process. That's why the book is a rite of passage between the poet and three breasted women. Um, mm-hmm. So there were there are moments when I'll see something on the page that I've written and it scares me and I'm not quite ready and I gotta walk away and catch my breath and come back. But it never hurts. I think writing poetry breaks things open mm-hmm. as a relief and not breaks things open as in destruction. Okay.
1: What do you think you would learned about yourself from writing the book? Who are you as a consequence of writing the book? Who are you now?
0: I would say from my last book, mm-hmm. I understand that I have to be More, I'll say more effective.
1: And what okay. I mean when
0: I say that is that, you know, there's something about three-breasted woman's voice where she's mm-hmm. powerful and she is clear and she is um, compassionate. But she does not uh, allow her emotions to overrule her or run anything. Um, and I, that is what I learned. How do I write about things without all of my emotional junk, so to speak, if that makes sense? All right. Yes, um, it does make sense. And simply, pre- yes, and present them as an offering without my emotional stuff and attachments getting in the way. All right. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Oh, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me more yeah.
0: Um, I remember My mother um, Telling a story When I was younger About Me being on a train <laughs> With her And um, when we had to get Off the train The conductor looked at her And said that is the talkingest little girl I have ever seen In my life <laughs> Um, and there was something that I just loved about language. I loved listening to people tell stories. I loved visualizing the stories in my mind when I heard them from someone else as well as when mm-hmm. I created them. I loved the music of language, and it goes way back, you know, like way back um so yes, I would say definitely yes, so. Do poems change color in certain lights?
2: Mm.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more.
0: It depends on who is looking at the poem. Mm-hmm and it depends on where that person is in that person's life. Mm -hmm. So a poem that I might have read 10 years ago might Mm -hmm. be one color and might be one understanding for me, but 10 years later, after certain experiences and certain growth. I might see a whole new shade of blue to the poem.
1: Wow. You know, I asked you if you felt that you were meant to be a poet, and you answered, what surprises you most about being a poet?
0: What surprises me most about being a poet is that, you know, other people don't dig it the same way I do. Mm. And that people miss out on it as good medicine, mm. and that people don't recognize it in on their own tongues. So, you know, there there are old sayings that we come from and those lines are poetic there are things on there are lyrics in a rap album that use poetic Mm -hmm. devices there are things in commercials that employ alliteration and rhythm to get your attention it's everywhere and all over the place and it Mm -hmm. belongs to everybody it doesn't just belong on a university campus or for an elitist group of people. It belongs to all of us. And it can be medicine for all of us in different ways. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy you. you. You, I could tell you're a great professor. Because <laughs> you, oh, you you, <laughs> you bring <the> people in. <laughs> you make them well, think and process. Because,
0: that's, Well, you know, that's because you're not one of my students, and I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to take your paper late. (laughs) You know what that
2: means. You know what that means. (laughs) Oh,
1: of course. Let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Thank you. We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram, and I'm here with Tamara J. Madison. Tamara. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, (laughs) some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing process?
0: On the editing process?
1: Yes. Uh,
2: hmm.
0: Uh, You know, I, I, I have to say this. One of my students said it best talking about poetry, composition class. And a student said, the first draft is for the writer. The subsequent drafts are for the reader. So the editing and revision process that we walk through is to translate the experience so that it lands on the reader, hopefully, the way it originally landed on us. That's one way of looking at it. I would say the other way of looking at it is that, I mean, you know, I come from um, some of my mentors are uh, musicians, avant-garde, or what people would call jazz musicians. And one of the things that I love about that uh, what I would call maybe the higher or deeper end of uh, that art form is that those musicians will play classics over and over and over again. They will play their own pieces over and over and over again, and each time it's different. Improvisation is a really important part of jazz, but they also play each other's work, right? to honor the other artists, but also to to raise the bar of their own craft. Mm -hmm. And that is very, very much a part of that culture. And that's one of the reasons why those musicians are known around the world and they're so skilled because they worked at that craft. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that, you know, Poets don't do enough. I don't think, uh, some of us, I don't think that we read enough of other people's poetry. I don't think Mm -hmm. we honor other poets enough. I don't think that some of us push our work as far as it could go.
1: Mm. You know, I've had many people on this show over the course of the last five years make the statement, I write my poetry for me. I don't really care whether other people understand it you name it, I write my poetry for me so that I can vent. It's for me. What well, do you think of a statement like that?
0: I appreciate their honesty, but that's not every mm-hmm. poet. Right, right, that's right. That's all. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Who do you write for?
0: And I would say that in my, hmm, I would say in my earliest Mm -hmm. It was definitely for me because it was therapy, right, in those early Mm -hmm. years, and it was a safe place for me to put anger and all kinds of uncomfortable feelings. But later, Mm -hmm. when I saw how it could affect other people and possibly uplift others, then it became important that I learned how to um, hone that part of the gift but I don't think that that's right? necessarily every poet and it shouldn't have to be
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm Wow you know before you share another poem this world we live in there's so much happening so much mm. there's the good the bad the ugly and the indifferent What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day
0: society? To be really honest, I think it depends on that poet Mm -hmm. and that poet's calling. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you are the poet who writes exclusively for you, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: that that keeps you sane, and makes you a kinder, gentler being on the planet, it's all good, right? If you are Mm -hmm. that poet who writes to uplift and reach out to others, to inspire others, there's a place for that too. I think there's a place for all of it. And that's one of the things that makes poetry so expansive.
1: Hmm. Please share, Paul.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I'm going to share some new stuff from a new book that I'm working on. Um, and all I'll say is that the the book is based on family photos, family archives, and family stories from my family, both lineages of my family. And this piece is called Genesis. And I think it it feels like it's going to be the opening of the book. I was born to a one-story house with ten-story dreams. Blues, grass, and dandelions, my mama's wedding bouquet, cast iron skillets, her dowry. While on duty overnight at the fire station, my daddy pistol-packing to work, Surviving Sambo jokes and clan belts Strung on city uniforms A hungry house still made home Hot water cornbread, turnip and mustard greens Butter beans from my mama's table My daddy's ribs and wild games Smoking the grill Blessed Sunday dinners Highballing house parties Both cut on Kentucky bourbon. Dressed to kill And dance to live because they can't stop the music of us. Beneath the tilted steeple, behind the faded stained glass, usher board schooling, choir rehearsals, and Baptist training, tainting my girlhood. Watch your mouth. And keep your knees together in the pew with them thunder thighs. Pretty is as pretty does. Though never telling me does who or does what. Only telling me does not because I brought you in this world. I can take you out. Though Jesus loves me, at least at the altar, for the Bible tells me so. Summer funk shine in every neighborhood, bottle cap guns, dust bowl tournaments, the bicycle posse headed for a swim on the other side of town at the new pool every day till my skin freckled, my hair sandied, dusk dew dropping on sticky nights, Hide and go see, go get it, whatever it was, but don't get caught with it or at it. Jump rope, jacks and spades games as the records played on the porch with corn roll customers queued. Five dollars a head. We taking names and talking game. Me daring myself to not get caught up or thrown down a rabbit hole I can't climb out of. Have my tail and all the rest of me in the house before the street lights blinked, and my mama might think I was contemplating writing checks my ass can't cash. Fear of market crash on my family's reputation. From the pulp of the pulpit to the clout. Of the projects from Oak Grove Glory to Mechanicsville, Bibles, bloodied hammers, holy and family story, my soul baptized in Madisonboro. Smell our blood in the dirt.
1: Wow! Wow! I was get thinking. I really hope I'd meet her one day in person.
2: <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that
1: would be lovely. I was, <laughs> that was exactly what I was thinking. How would you develop or classify your ability to write poetry as a creative gift or a creative art?
0: I would say the gift is the raw version, right? Okay. The thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, that little seed that you're born with, I would say the art comes in the sweat that we talked about Mm. earlier. Yes. And the work that you put into the craft and raising the bar of your skills.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, Poetry has been around a long, long time. Now, if you were a poet during a different era, when, where would you have wanted to exist?
0: Mm. My first thought (laughs) was, I don't know exactly where or when this would be, but it would be a long time ago when mm-hmm. folks sat around a sacred fire and live mm-hmm. drums were playing and mm-hmm. there was no TV, no radio, none of that electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. And people, and, and the entertainment and the spiritual studies and the family records and the music was all through the human voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would
1: be nice that would be nice wow that really would be nice mm. it's kind of hard to follow that you know we're now at a point which I view as my favorite part of this program I call it a poetry concert in this concert ever, you share three poems back to back no interruptions from me And uh, you can begin whenever you're ready. It's a concert. You're on the stage. The lights are on you. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: So what I want to say is that the middle poem that I'm going to share was inspired by another poet. And I'll leave it at that. Till poem. We have buried you so many times. Sifted through files and notes, slipped our fingers through cracks and crevices to find some semblance of sense Justice, why? Praying it soothes us, lay you finally to rest, still our palms and hearts echo canyons barren. Instead of sorting puzzle pieces of your murder, I choose to crown you, Mamie's baby, with a life poem. Emmett, you amber-eyed, butterscotch, shy, slick, black man-child with the tripping tongue, I choose to write that bounce back into your Midwest swagger, showing off before them country bumpkin boys. I am writing. You sliding into home base, dusty Mississippi money painting your backside, bringing a cheering crowd to its feet in it. I am writing you a 14 year old grin of innocence wearing mannish mischief for cologne, lip-smacking, trembling, shudder after the bubblegum first kiss from a little brown black girl where it is safe and sweetness steals the blues from Mississippi air, I am writing that crack in your voice as hair sprouts on that landscape, your body Your beautiful brown black body skittering across Chicago concrete beneath your heels and Mississippi grass whistling from the brush of your feet. I am writing you running back. To the sun of Mamie's face, shining with pride and promise. Me writing, you running until you slam into her body, warm, dough. Your face buried in the rise of her bosom. Your brown black face recording. The song of her heart that followed you and you alone because you were her only. I am writing your first catch in the mitt. Recording your first swish at that hoop. Your first flitting fish on a hook. Your first words. First teetering steps. First fall. First crawl. Lord, your first tooth and chew, Emmett, I am writing you, crowning your first cry, your first open eyes, yet womb wet, bleeding light, bleeding life, fearless, Emmett. Supper, response poem to Rosemary Prayers by Benita Lee Penn. Epigraph, if loving a black man is a full stomach, then let him be holy, halal, delectable, the most exotic spices to tingle the tongue, pure fly the blood. Let him be raw, ripened, gently plucked from the tree of trees of life, guided by an ancient awaken. Let him be rife with resistance, forging righteous return and reign. Let him be blessed, butter. Balm to soothe the bruise of this bitter earth, eternal fountain of truth, soothing thirst of lost souls found. Let him be unprecedented vision, cloaked in power, steeped in wisdom, the tenderest first eye kiss. Let him be sanctified seed. Sowing a garden of God's harvest of seven generations, eternally eternal youth, newly aged. This, my sacred supper, let him be the only sustenance supreme, this bleeding black belly Needs. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Poet's resurrection Mm -hmm. from three, this road, not Damascus. Undaunted, no longer dangling bait or adornment of leafy branches. My blues is now the sweetest virgin tears, my tea. A hearty string of serpent fangs my belly beads. I am freed from the clench of Adam's teeth. The kiss of lightning makes my marrow hum. Burst my bush to sweating flames. I shade the sun, confess the moon, curtsy my king or rip him open. Shave my lion bald feast upon his roar. Leave him cleave his aching silence. I dare to open my eyes as my threed rise. Leak my cleavage's knee to poet language lush enough to sweep the knees of Jesus. Toe whipping air I resuscitate wind, this dance I do, this dance. Thank you.
1: Wow. Incredible. Incredible. You took me on a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. (laughs) Wow. What do you hope, Talimer, that readers get from encountering your work? What do you want them to get?
0: Oh. Mm. I am hoping they will be enlightened.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I am hoping they will see power as the ability to create instead of destroy. I am hoping that they will see the agency of those who came before us many of them nameless yes
1: yes The the nameless Wow the cover of your book is quite striking tell me more about it
0: Oh, I was so blessed. Um, I designed or saw in my mind that symbol. Wow. Um, Yes, and that I, I was blessed to have a publisher that allowed me to use it on the book. And the symbol for me is many things. The symbol, if you look at it from just the top half, it looks like it could be a breast. And the bottom looks like it could be a drop, right? If you think of the breast and then the drop of blood. But if you look at it all together, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you look at it all together, it looks like a woman with her arms wide open, perhaps to raise, wrap around you or raised in praise, yes, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that, that to me, became the symbol of 3 breasted woman. You remember, I know this is corny, but you remember how Prince took away his name and he was just the symbol, the one yes. formerly known as Prince?
2: Formerly so known as, yes.
0: I didn't have, really, right? Yeah. I didn't mm. hear any other name for her other than three-breasted women, and I saw that she was represented by this symbol. And then beneath this uh, symbol, the um, publisher and the editor that I work with kept telling me, Tamara, we need an image. You need an image. You need an image. And I was like, I can't see an image. I don't know what image, right? And then Mm -hmm. finally I found a, a beautiful picture of a butterfly wing. And it also almost looks like leopard spots at the same time. And so the cover designer, it was her idea to put this white wash and the butterfly wing up under it and behind the symbol. Wow.
1: That's beautiful. <laughs>
0: like
1: I guess again it's a striking, striking cover. Wow, very nice. Very nice. Mm. Would you do me a favor? We're almost at the end of our journey, and I'm probably sure you're probably tired. (laughs) But would you share one more poem with us?
0: Just one more. Oh, one more? Yes, ma'am. One more. Let's see. Is there anything in particular that you're looking to hear or that you feel like you need to hear?
1: Let's see. Do you have something uplifting? Motivational. Yes. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. I I need some motivation. <laughs> I need to feel uplifted. <laughs> I'm going through a lot, <laughs>
0: so pull um, me
1: out of my doldrums. Hmm.
0: Huh. Hold on. Give me a minute.
1: Oh yeah, no problem.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this will do it for you. I'm t- I think.
1: Well, if you're going to do more than one, you're I welcome to. I do
0: it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay. All uh, right. So I will only do one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it is the closing of three. This Rose, not Damascus. And you can let me know if you are uplifted afterwards, okay?
1: We'll do, we'll do yes.
0: Psalms in praise of three-breasted woman. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Psalms 1914 King James Version. Pleated air, an etched lace of snowflakes, her regalia, burnished brass, her skin, rising from throne of relentless unrest, She curtsies and plucks a bass with her toes. Recalcitrant dance of deified promise. She, ribbonic melody, bubonic baritone, quadruple, double D's make mojo. Snap his fingers, itch his sweating palms. Oh, this soulful siren, the muses news her tongue betrothed to bereavement and breakthrough her breath broke turns brush stroke on a canvas absent of dreams she swallows city slick spits hymn salacious giving birth to the birth of cool this goddess of split rift Carrie Jive on her left hip be stowed upon his gimp, her swagger to cut the skin of night to breach dawn. She fashions cultures with the twist of her wrist, jiggle of her thigh, bat eye, her off beat on point. Her off key pops the lock, holding Nat Turner's vision, she tourniquet. To clinch bleeding of the Red Sea, Bassanova searing her veins. She, endless scat of untamed sass, quintessential class, shattering the confines of malicious myth. Conductress of sanctified symphony, reed ripping sax. Groaning drum, grunting Eucharistic funk, catastrophe consecrated on an altar of Lazarus kisses. This shaman of riff split wets dry bones, bids skulls to bloom eyes and awaken hungry, questing flesh again. From between her knees, apocalypses tumbled, sucking. Tuckled on messianic milk of Jezebel breast, she hell boast, celestially conceived, lust of conquering kings, envy of alabaster queens, behold her as she shines. And we threed her mighty descendants. The baptized and functified, we arise and call her blessed.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> Epic work. <laughs> Epic work. And I do feel uplifted. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tamara. Thank you so much. Wow. I needed that. (laughs) You know, last question. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Tamara, why do you write?
0: I write to grow. I write hmm. to grow and and I share my writing. Um, I write to grow and heal, right? Uh, being on this planet in this existence, and I share my writing in hopes that it will inspire and assist others in their growth and healing.
1: Wow, you write to grow. Beautiful, I love mm-hmm. that. Wow, how and can listeners find your work?
0: Uh, My work is all over the place. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I have a website, TamaraJMadison.com. There's a lot on there. The the books are on there. I have a blog on there. I don't keep it up regularly now, but it goes back a few years, so there's a blog on there as well. Um, And, you know, a Google search, uh, publications and things like that will pop up. Um, things on the net as well as things in, you know, journals and magazines. It's all over the place. All
1: right. All right. Very nice. What's next for you? Where do you go from here?
0: Well, as I mentioned, I am working on this this project based on my family's stories and photos and letters that I've found and documents and things. Um And it's, like I said, both my mother and my father's lineage, though I know a lot more from my mother's lineage because of the stories she shared. Mm -hmm. And that's what's next. That's what I'm working on now, going through their photos, listening for what the pictures have to tell me, recalling old family stories and shaping them into, right now, what looks like poems
1: And um,
0: that's my next project. That's my next project. And it's making me sit down and be quiet and listen, right? Um, And that's a big project and an important project to me because, like I said, you know, we're here because of the
2: magnificent
0: agency and sacrifices and gifts of those that came before us. And, you know, we may know names like Rosa Parks or uh, Frederick Douglass or what have you, but many of their names are unknown, just mm-hmm. like the name of my great-great-grandmother, uh, Melinda. And so I am recalling them, and I am claiming that they will be remembered if I can help it. Wow. Wow.
1: I think you are amazing. I've had a smile on my face Thank the you. entire time for the whole, for the whole hour. <laughs> it's almost a permanent smile. Thank <laughs> you. I really believe you are amazing. And your work is sublime. To me, you live your work. And I've always believed it's so important to live it. If you wrote it, live it. And uh, that's what mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> I,
0: you know, <laughs> any I words studied, from you? Yes, I, I I I discovered like I would say recently, within the past two or three, three years, that um, if I'm not engaged with poetry in some kind of way or another, a part of me, just a part of me, mm-hmm. is lonely. Right. Wow. It's um it's a it's a necessary nutrient in my soul food diet, the food mm. for my soul. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yes, yes, that's, that's correct. Because if I try living without it, Mm -hmm. other stuff doesn't work. (laughs) So I I
1: know that I know that. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you again.
0: And I do hope we meet. I hope we meet. That would be wonderful. And thank you so much for having me. I was so inspired by the program that I heard with you and Teresa, I was walking in the park. I was literally walking in the park and I was listening to it. And um, it was a shift for me, so I just, and when I said thank you for what you do, I really do mean that. I really do mean that, because I feel like poetry needs to get to folk, whether they write it or not, and I think that's one of the things that you're doing, and I'm very grateful for that.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what else to say, but thank you. I enjoy spending time with poets, listening to them, listening to their stories, listening to just the the beat of their hearts, in a sense. I, I enjoy that so much. All right, everybody, we made it through another one, a beautiful one, with Tamara J. Madison purchased the book, read. This not Damascus. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. This road all right. This road, <laughs> this road. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> I missed the whole road. <laughs> okay. three this road not Damascus. Did I get
0: it right? Yes you did. And you know what? You never asked <laughs> me and I'm surprised where the title right. came from. All right. Remember the story in the Bible about Paul on the road to Damascus. That's where he found his enlightenment, right? Yes. And so the title is suggesting that this too is enlightenment, and that is not the only way. Paul's road was not is not the only way. That's what the title is suggesting. Like the road less traveled. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not
1: necessarily. Um, are you no, saying not that
0: necessarily
1: that there's there's more than one road one one road to Rome? You know what I'm saying? There are different ways there's, to get
0: there. Well remember Paul saw the light and it struck mm-hmm, his line mm-hmm. and then thereafter. Right. Paul lived in this space of spiritual growth and development, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so the title is saying, this road is not Damascus, right? But we're going to mm-hmm. get there one way or another. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, it's going to take me a minute to get it. <laughs> but I'm going to get it. And I'm going right. to call you, That's too. All right. <laughs> That's all right. You're welcome to do that all right all right
1: everybody as I share with you every week every program let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land good night everyone good night Chandler. good night good
0: night good night
1: quintessential listening poetry online radio is available on iTunes Spotify SoundCloud and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.